Good morning, everybody. Bezrat Hashem. Today we'll be learning Daftes Zayin Masecha Sukkah. Let's start from the two dots on Tes Vav Amin Beis. We see that little bit of Gemara. Just go back. O Be'aruchos Hamita. Right. We were saying that you can't use this the Aruchos Hamita, which is you're bringing uh, portions of a bed frame from Home Depot, and you can't use it as schach. This is because of the fact that. You're not allowed to use a kli that's makabal tumah as chach. Now, the chiddush here is obviously a fully assembled bed is a kli, and that certainly would be makabal tumah. Here, you have a portion of a kli, and it's still makabal tumah. So, which way is this going? What is the Mishnah trying to teach us? So, it says like this: as we said yesterday. Maybe this part of the Mishnah is supporting Rav Ami Bartavumi's statement with regards to Kalim. Damar Ami Bartavumi, Sikachab Bavloi Kalim Psula. Bivloi Kalim Psula. This is not Bavloim, it's not Babylonians, it's Bivloi. We've already had this concept before. It's the concept of, uh, we had this uh, with regards to Masechah Shabbos. Um, once clothes, this is actually fascinating, once clothes are so worn, that nobody would wear them, and they become not just shmatas that people would wear, but something that is really just not wearable anymore, so they can lose their status as a kli, potentially. Okay, so the chiddush of Rabbi Bartomiumi is that even though these clothes are no longer considered kalim for certain, uh, for certain um, aspects because they're not going to be susceptible to tumah anymore, they still can't be used as chach because they once were susceptible to tumah. So similarly, assuming we have this, let's say, wooden bed, in other words, right, assuming that the actual material was not the issue here, right? Assuming that this bed was made out of, let's say, wood frame, which is a material that normally would be good, and the only reason that the bed is not kosher for schach is because it was a kli, and even though now it's no longer a kli, it's just a portion of a kli, it's still going to be considered not suitable for schach, as follows. That, when we talked about the Mishnah and Kalim, we talked about portions of the leg, right? Just like when you, let's say, you are assembling the bed and you, that you got from Home Depot and you have only, let's say, two legs and, right, and, and it looks like goalposts, right? Like one long side with two legs or the width with two legs, and that's all you have, you're holding it in your hand. So hachanami, here too, that's the case in our Mishnah, in our Mishnah over here, you have, let's say, two legs and one side of the bed, and you're holding it in your hand, you cannot use that as chach, because it is a portion of a bed, which is a kli. So, hecha rabbi. What was the context that he said it? As follows, ahad it's not. Because we learned in that Mishnah, the aforementioned Mishnah in the 18th parak of Kalim, as we arrive at Tzayin of Adalf, Mita Mitamas Chavila, right? That it's an interesting idea. That had you, let's say, been in the midst of your assembly of the bed from Home Depot and you only had the legs and one side of the bed assembled so far, it's not yet considered enough of a kli to be makabel tumah, right? In order to be makabel tumah, it would, re- it would require to be fully assembled. Oh, that's what it means. Mita mitamatz chavila means only once you've fully assembled this bed is it going to be considered complete enough in order to be mekabal tumah. Umitaheret chavila. 
And it also can only be made tar as a full unit, which is to say, it's a chiddush over here, Diver of that the only way you can make a tahar in a mikvah is if you dunked it as one unit. You can't tear apart into its components and dunk them each individually. That's Rabbiliazar Shita. However, that not true, that a bed can also become tame in a varim, which is sections. We're gonna, we're gonna, we just started to Zayin Amadalaf. Geronowitz. We're second line in Tetz Zayin Amadalaf. Andrew said you gotta give a lot of lessons today. Uh, okay, yeah, we, we can use it today. Metame Savarim, Okay, full full four course musar coming up. Okay, so it's machlokas whether the mita has to be fully assembled or partially assembled in order to both contract tuma and also to right um, or to be dunked in a mikvah and to be metaher. So my nihu. So what are these sections that are referred to when we say, uh, right, a varim? So in that Mishnah in, right? Um, right, so in that Mishnah, in Kalim, what are we re- referring to when we say a varim? Says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Chanan It was in that context that Rabbi Chanan said in the name of Rabbi that we're talking about two legs and a side. Aha. So now, Lamai Chazia. The question would be, why would Rabbi Eliezer hold that they are actually going to be Makabal Tuma? Because what are they fit for? The assumption here is like this. In other words, we have the concept of Shivrei Kalim. Certainly, if you had a mug or whatever, any kli that was shattered to a thousand pieces, it's no longer Makabal Tuma. So the question is, why would two legs and, and a side be Makabal Tuma or Matar in any way? So the answer is because they do still have some fun- functionality. You could still bring them close to the wall. You could sit on them a little bit. You could weave ropes between them. Maybe Garanowitz, because he goes to the gym every day, he could do some pull-ups on them. Wow. In other words, it needs to have some function in order to be considered an Aver. Now, now we're going to have a standard Gufa. This is a Gufa of Amaraic text. Which, uh, unlike the, the one before in the Mishnah in Tahoros, Amar of Ami Bartavyumi, what's his idea of using this concept we said before, the statement of Rebbe Bartavyumi, where you're using worn out pieces of clothing? What, what's going on? Ask the Gemara, my bloy chalim. What's this worn out pieces of clothing? Amar it has to be matlonius shembeim shalosh al shalosh. Shmatas that don't even have three by three. In this case, we're not talking about Amas Otfachim, but that's Baos. This was, right, discussed earlier in Maseches Shabbos. Talked about the minimum shear that nobody would consider clothing. Nobody would have any use for it whatsoever. Even if you're, right, putting patches on your elbows or put, patching together out of poverty, patching together pieces of cloth in order to make something that you could wear, you would not use anything less than three by three finger breaths. Right, so we're saying... Can you use for schach, not for wall? Can you use for schach worn out pieces of clothing? The, assuming, uh, Garanos is alluding to a good point. Obviously, this would have to be natural, right? Can you do like karka substances? Right. Hemp. I don't know what hemp is, but I think, you know, something that you would buy, like uh, some clothing that you would buy like at Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> natural natural su- cloth uh, textiles that normally would be good for schach, but they're not because they're clothing and therefore they're kli and therefore they're makabal But once they're less 
than three by three etzbos, to lo chazin, lo lanim, lo lashirim, right, where neither a rich person or even a uh, poor person would ever consider wearing it. So wow. Now it's considered now. Now it's considered something that nobody would wear. But because it had been right clothing that somebody would wear, uh, there's a halacha that you don't use that as schach. And to support that, we have a brisa that teaches you. Watch this brisa. Wow. Amazon. Oh, you know, like earth, earth shoes. Like exactly, exactly. Earth shoes. Right, and then they donate it to the earth. Okay. Wow. So, so you have this mat that's made out of hemp or, you know, one of these things that's a natural material. The remnants, even though it's already not going to be any more macabre tuma because it's not considered a kli. It's not considered big enough to be used for, let's say, whatever the mat would be used for. Even though it's lost that ability to macabre tuma, it's still not valid as chach. We have to assume that because, that this is the same rationale, that because it originated from a mat that was macabre tuma, right, this is, again, uh, assumed to be pshute clay eights, what we call, Right, original organic materials, and and yet, right. So here it is. It's not a kli. It's not any more makabotuma. It's made out of proper material, and still you can't use it as chach, presumably for the same reason that we just proposed that they at one point were a kli, and a retired kli can't be used for schach. Okay, and furthermore, says the brisa, machzel sakanim. If you have your mat made of reeds, gedola misachimba katana misachimba. This is real you know, sukkah mat, hawk. Because it depends. If you made it, this uh, apparently, uh, Simon Wolf pointed out, you know, now we're very used to the sukkah depot and everybody's making these mats for schach. That's a cottage industry in its own right. But when they used to make the mats, they used to buy them from whatever, India or China, and they used to just buy mats that uh, that, that the people who Right, that other people would use just as um, a, a mat to sit on or like as a makeshift mattress. So that would be problematic to use as schach. It really does matter what the, this is made of. If it's made for schach, it's okay. If it was made for any other purpose, then it could be a kli. And therefore, once it's a kli, it's no longer usable for schach. So therefore, the machzal sakanim, it's fascinating. If it's gdola, which indicates that it was made for schach, then you can in fact use it for schach. However, katana in masachimba. But it was made, uh, right, if it's small, so it was made for, I don't know, New York City cab drivers to cover the, 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 um, driver's seat with, and thus sit on it, and it's a kli, so then you can't use it as schach. You can use this for the wall? You can use anything for the wall? Uh, could you hang it as, yeah, so, so can you use, Goranus asking a good question. Could you use kalim that are makabal tumba for the wall of the sukkah? We're going to see the parameters for the wall of the sukkah, but let's, uh, we, we can assume that yes, you can, as a matter of fact. How come we need so many rules and regulations for even when we built the, the, the Noah's Ark, you had to build the sukkah, <laughs> right? It's a bow. What are you going to do with it, right? You know, right. You're never going to see it again. Uh, so the Goranowitz Muslim moment is Hashem gives us a lot of different rules in order to get us to, right, in order to get us, just like we say, oh, Goranowitz, you got to come to Shul on Shabbos. Dafyomi uh, coincidence can be Vayaschanan. You got to come to Shul on Shabbos where we're going to be discussing that all the Chukim and the Mishpatim that Hashem gives us 
right? right. It, that's Chachmasenu. That is what Moshe Rabbeinu, when he gives Musr, you got to come to Shul because that's Moshe Rabbeinu's Musr Vart to Klal Yisrael. Since you're so into Musr, you're going to have to listen to that. Right. Part of that Musr is there and is then very often quoted by the Rambam, right. which is both the laws that we understand and the Chukim, which we don't understand, they're part of the holistic Jewish experience, part of the holistic Torah experience that Hashem sends to us. And if you follow everything, then has, the promise from Hashem is that that is what makes you smart. Not just doing the things that you can understand, but also having the humility to be able to do things that, that because Hashem sends, uh, said so, is in fact the greatness of Klal Yisrael. So, we, we should be walking, uh, we shouldn't ask questions, we just keep on pushing. No, on the contrary, we should always ask questions, but don't, don't um, hinge your behavior on getting satisfactory answers. You have to, the questions are very, very important. Keep asking questions, but the questions are more important than the answer. Anyway, right, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this uh, in depth on your testament base. That even, that this idea of Rabbi Lezer, that he's saying that even the large, right, the lo- even the large one can be Mekabal and also can't be used as Chach. This is gonna be, this is gonna be talked about uh, at great length uh, soon because he's talking about the fact that because a, normally a mat can be used as, right, a mattress, then even though this was a large one um, and is not typically used as a mattress, still it's going to have the status of just an oversized mattress and it's going to be tuma, and you can't use it for schach. These parameters of schach is, are, are coming up soon. We're going to discuss it very soon all the details. But for now, let's go two dots, 15 lines down on Tessai and Amadalaf as follows. It's actually an incredible question. Yosef Engel says they did not have sukkahs in the desert because there's a machlokas that we quoted between Rilaz and Rabbi Kiva. When we say besukkah soshafti, was it ananea kavod or was it sukkos mamish? Right? Actual sukkahs. So sukkahs mamish, it kind of takes the, right, the teeth out of, of the pasuk. I, I put you in sukkahs that you built for yourself. Uh, okay. So it's still protected from the elements, as we said. But says Rabbi Yosef Engel, this is something that Birnbaum showed me inside last night. If it is Anani Akavots, then they couldn't have built sukkahs because there would be a sukkah within a sukkah. <laughs> so if that's the case, then they couldn't be in a sukkah or a tent. Just under the clouds of glory of Hashem. But great relevant question. But aren't you curious about whether if you hollow out a haystack, whether it's considered tasa v'lomi Yeah, where they get the, yeah, that's right, where they get the sukkah. Andrew says there had to have been tents. Matovu alecha Yaakov. There had to be tents? Well, matovu alecha Yaakov. At some point, they were obviously in tents. How, how good are your tents? That's incredible. So this is that, that is an incredible question. Were we under the, the Anani Akavod? Were we in tents or were we in sukkahs? Which is it, Andrew? And we have to look at It's a great question. See, a perfect example of the question being better than the answer. All right, here we go. What did you say, a real estate grab? Quandary. It's located, that's the point, it's location. Okay, Achotet Begadish. You're hauling out a haystack. What's the problem? We know this already. This was just a haystack. And then when you hollowed it out, 
So then all of a sudden the walls miraculously and the, and uh, by the way, you call it an ohel, so it's fascinating that you'd bring this up here, that even though, <laughs> even though it's just a hollowed out haystack, it is considered an ohel. Watch this. Amar Avuna. Lo shanu el she'en shem chal tefach b'meshach shiva. Uh, yeah, no, the components of the Mishkan traveled with them, and, yeah. It was like a sukkah, really, right? Well, it's funny you should say that, because the Pasuk, the Pasuk uses a Lushan, we, we, uh, which, which we earlier said implies that there was a horizontal component. But it's not for now. Check this out. You ready, Granots? Yeah. When you're hauling out this haystack, right, the only way you can have a problem of Tasa Velomina Asui Right, says Ravuna, is if the haystack was this fully dense haystack. But, here's what's fascinating. Let me ask you a question. If you had a sukkah, let's say that was too short, too short, and you dug out, you were chokek, and you dug out a floor such that the depth of the sukkah was deep enough to make a kosher sukkah, is that tasavlomin asoi? The answer is no. That you're allowed to do. So here's the fascinating idea. If you already have an ohel, Right, which is to say, if you already have an internal airspace that's, as Ravuna is pointing out, that has the dimensions of sukkah in terms of its width and its depth, which is to say seven by seven tfachim, if you already have that, then even if the height isn't high enough, let's say it's just a tefach high, amazingly, once you have that, that's already considered an airspace such that if you were to dig more, it would not be a problem of tasavlomina asoi. That would be tantamount to just digging below. Digging away from that haystack is okay. That's exactly the statement of Ravuna. In other words, that once you have, right, even if it's just a tefachai, once you have seven by seven, and even if it's a tefachai, it's already an ohel, as Rashi explains. It's already a sukkah, not yet, because it's not kosher, but then at that point, Digging out, hollowing out that haystack is the same as digging b- below and is in fact going to be okay. It's only when you have a fully dense haystack that you're digging out that it becomes an issue of tasa velomina asli because then you made something out of nothing. Then you made a sukkah out of something that wasn't even an airspace. Amazing. And we have a proof for it. Because we have a brisa that says the same thing, but a different formulation as follows. The uh, brisa said that there's no problem with digging out a gadish Well, our mission says the exact opposite, right? The, the brisa says, It's fine, go do it. So what do you mean? The Gemara says, We said the exact opposite. In our mission, it says black on white, that it's not. No. It has to be that you resolve this contradiction based on what Ravuna said, which is to say that our Mishnah, which says that it isn't the sukkah, is talking about a solid haystack where digging it out is a problem of tasev lomina asi, as opposed to the brisa that says it's okay, where that just means that this was a haystack that already had an airspace, little, little tiny sukkah within it that you only dug out and thus enlarged. And, or another way, uh, of saying it is Ika Dirami Le Mirma. Some presented it as like a contradiction between our Mishnah and the Brisa 
in the opposite way, but it's basically saying the same thing, which is as follows. First, right, so some had the version where they quoted our Mishnah first, which said that it's not a sukkah, and then they asked the question what the Brisa says it's not, and similarly they resolved the contradiction in the same fashion that we have, which is, the only thing that's added, right, uh, right, and, and therefore they add here, the shiva that's referred to here is the seven by seven tfachim requisite depth and width. If it doesn't have the seven by seven tfachim requisite depth and width, mind you, then it doesn't even have, and really this is the lumdish fascinating aspect here. It needs to have, just to break down this fraction, it needs to have at least the depth and width of the parameters of a sukkah. It can't just be just like an air pocket. A random air pocket is the same as just a dense haystack, right? It's tasa velomina asli. It needs to have some aspect of sukkah that you're now uh, changing the height of in order to avoid the problem of tasa velomina asli. So you see here that really as long as the walls have enough, right, width and depth, it's going to, even though the height isn't enough, it's going to be considered ready to have schach placed on it. And we already learned the chiddush within Tasev Elohim Asoy. Tasev Elohim Asoy does not necessarily mean that you need to place schach. It could also mean that you need to do any action, and one of those actions could be digging out and thus making the schach that's already there, right, kosher, that's still different, right? In other words, Tasev also would be you have the entire structure ready-made and you're going in and you're saying, this is now my sukkah. No, that's not good because you have to do something active. But that activity does not necessarily need to be the placement of the schach. The activity could be the making the schach that's there kosher by actually digging and making the dimensions around kosher. Fascinating aspects of I the Gaddish. I have a question, but it's been bugging me. Yeah. Oh, this is a, this is a good question. This is Andrew. This is what you asked before, Garano. It's do we have sukkahs in Mars? Why not? I would. Oh, oh Lo Bashamayim here saying the Lubavitcher Rebbe of uh, Rav Soloveitchik. The whole question of whether Lo Bashamayim here, whether whether uh, w- w- I'll ask you a different question. When you're in Mars, how do you know when Shkia is? <laughs> how do you know when sukkah starts? Yeah, if you, once you figure that out, I'll, I'll, we'll answer the sukkah question. You go by the moon, okay. Here we go. Mishnah on Tezayin Amadalaf. Hamishal shel tfanas milmalalamata. All right. Some guys like to do top down. Others like to do down up. This means constructing from top down. Mishal shel tfanas sounds like you're lowering the tfanas. That's why Rashi explains. No, anything that goes from top down is called shilshul, which is to say that anything that, that even if it's referring just to the mode of construction without any lowering, actual lowering of the walls, that's going to be Mishal Shel. So your Mishal Shel, some, some context, some Mishnayas, Mishal Shel means lowering. Sometimes it means you're building from the top down. Here it means the latter. You're building from the top down. Okay, so this is the Tanakama says that you can't have a, right, more than a three Tfachim space above the ground when you're building it. However, However, if you're building the wall of the sukkah, so now we're starting to see halachas not just within the schach, but within the wall. If the wall of the sukkah starts from the ground, flush with the ground, and goes up, ten tfachim, once you have that, it goes up all the way up to, right, you can't have a schach more than 20, tfachim, 20 amas off the ground. But you can have, but ten tfachim is a lot less 
than 20 amos, right? It's like a 40th of it or so. So 10 tfachim, or something like that. Uh, 20 tfachim, 20? Right, so 20 tfachim in an amma, 20 tfachim, whatever it is, yeah, I think I'm right. Anyway, the point is, it could be, right, uh, once you have 10 tfachim of, of wall, so then you could go up all the way up to 20 amma and have total airspace and it's still kosher because we are going to employ the principle of extending the walls up virtually. That is the Tanakama. So again, the Tanakama is going to say that you can't have more than three Tvachim off the ground, um, and, and as we'll see. However, Rabbi Yaisi Omer, Kashem Shemil Mata Lamala Asar Tvachim, Kach Mil Mala Lamata Asar Tvachim. Rabbi Yossi is going to say that if at any point in this wall you're going to have ten contiguous Tvachim of wall, we're talking about now in a vertical direction. So as long as you have any 10 tfachim of verticality, then it doesn't matter if you have space beneath, space above. It's going to be considered a virtually, a virtual wall that's kosher that can be extended both down and up. So that's the machalokas. According to the Tanakama, you can only extend up. You can't extend down because some, for some reason, as we'll see, below that wall, you, you need to have a stoppage between the wall. Obviously, one would presume that as long as you're within three tfachim of the ground, that's considered lavud. We'll see, right? However, right, that's exactly what right the Tanakhama in fact says, right? That however, once it's three tfachim or more off the ground, the Tanakhama is going to puzzle it, but Rabbi Yossi is going to say that it's still okay. So says the Gemara, the Ma'akamiflgi. Why would the Tanakhama say that it's not okay to have it, let's say, four tfachim off the ground? Whereas Rabbi Yossi says it's okay. So we say, perhaps like this, that maybe this is a, an application. What we're borrowing is a case of, a case of Shabbos, Mechitzos. By the way, Rashi on the Mishnah, um, I'll give it away now. Rashi on the Mishnah points out that the reason why the Tanakhama doesn't want the, uh, the wall to be more than three trachim off the ground Right, is why? So that animals don't get through. Right? That's what Rashi had said on the Mishnah. So, right, Kadesha is Dakir Hagdi. Right? So that is, in fact, uh, something that the Pashib Shat, that would be the, that would be another aspect of this Machlokas, right? That for whatever reason, Rabbi Yossi does not hold of that, of that consideration. But let's leave that aside. That also becomes, uh, complicated. Right? So, uh, so that can you have a sukkah on stilts? Well, yeah. it depends. How far up does the stilts got to go? Okay, so let's assume let's assume you're talking about sukkah on stilts with a floor, uh, with a floor above the stilts or, or a floor below. Below. Oh, so this is exactly the machlokas. Can you have right? Can can the wall, if the sukkah was on stilts and the floor was below the stilts at, at the level of the floor of the stilts, do the walls virtually extend down or not? So this is exactly what we're going to talk about. What would be the machlokas? Machlokas would be borrowing a machlokas that we had in Mesech Shabbos, which is whether mechitos tluyos are valid as mechitos. Mechitos tluyos are literally mechitos that are suspended in air. Are they valid or not? So Rabbi Yossi, who says that you can have a sukkah on stilts, is going to say that mechitos tluyos is okay, right? They can actually extend virtually down. Umar savar mechitza tluyo enamateres. Right, Materas here is talking about permitting carrying on Shabbos. That if you had a sukkah on stilts, it, 
would be would be considered a mechitza um, up there, perhaps once you were able to get up there, but below under said sukkah where the, let's say the floor is with the floor of where the stilts are, you cannot carry because it's not materis. You don't consider the wall above to be extending downwards to the floor and therefore it's not kosher. And we, we already said that mechitzos do have, right, the ability, even with the mechitzos of Shabbos, to extend upwards and create a mechitza once they're, right, emanating from three trachim or less off of the ground. But downwards is a different story, and that is a fundamental machlokus that appears in Masechus Ervin, right, and, and the Andaf Ein Rav, and that we discussed Masechus Ervin. We're going to revisit it now, so we're going to get Ervin vibes as follows. That's a non hasam. Yeah, we learned in the Mishnah in Ervin. If you have your art scrolls, Le'il Nishmas of Chaim Zevim Linowitz, Zatzal, you have a what? Bor Shebein Shtei Chatseros. Oh, you see Barry and Andrew's house right there. Remember in the olden days when they used to live in the chatzar together before the falling out? So there is the two houses and you have the, right? Look, look, look at how it looks. It's showing you cross-section too. So I'll, I'll paint the picture with words here. Two houses in two different yards. They have a regular fence between them, like any fence. What makes this fence unique is that in the middle of the yard, there's a cistern. There's like a pit, okay? Now, the pit is filled with water. Let's say that the pit is halfway filled with water. And both Andrew and Barry on either side like drawing water from the pit. However, the problem is, if you were to envision that there's a virtual, right, chatzer, if uh, rather a virtual mechitza extending from the fence between Barry and Andrew's chatzer, so then that would be okay. Because it would be as if the water... And the cistern below was split into two halves, one on Barry's side, one on Andrew's side, and everybody can take their own water and draw it on Shabbos. You could have this water used for Shabbos. That would be perfect. However, if you hold that this mechitza does not extend down, so then you have a problem because it's really a shared pit and the waters um, that you're drawing, let's say you're Barry drawing the water, you might be drawing water from Barry's chatzar, from the portion of the cistern that is in Barry's right that, that is in Andrew's chatzar or Barry's chatzar, depending where you're drawing it from, that would be a classic case, potentially, of moving something, mirishus, lirishus. Now, the truth of the matter is, that rishus, right, to, to take something from a chatzar to a chatzar, is an iser hatzah, dirabanan. It's an iser dirabanan, but it's an iser nonetheless. We do not want to violate this iser, and therefore, we would have a problem. So again, to consider this mechitza tluya as a mechitza, would be great because you could take this fence and you would say that each one is taking water from their own rishos. However, if the mechitz is not, this would be enough, Kamina. We discussed it already in Erev and Ayin Vav. What is the halacha here? So fascinatingly, there is in fact a three-way machlokas as to what we do, what is the patent that we employ in order to allow us to carry the water from one side or the other. As follows, says the mission in Erev, between Barry and Andrew's uh, chatzers, there is a cistern that they share. Ain memalin memena b'shabbos. You're not allowed to draw water out of it, lest you take from your neighbor's chatzer to your own. Ela imken asar la mechitza asar tfachim. Bein melmala, bein melmata, bein besoch ogno. So the, the Tana Kama holds, it has to be an additional, in addition to this kind of mechitza 
that this fence that cuts across the cistern, it's not enough. You have to either have another mechitza, lemala, lemata, toch ogna means in the airspace of the cistern or inside the water itself. Somewhere in there, toch ogna just means from the lip down. Somewhere there has to be another indication, almost like an Erev or something, to make this partition within the cistern. However, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer, as we turn to Tazayin Abed Beis, says, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Shita is that there is a Machlokas Beisham Beisil here as to whether said extra partition within the cistern has to be sort of flush with the water or and, and extending upwards or flush with the lip of the cistern and extending downward. At this point, Tosfos, top Tosfos design on the base, is quick to flip it and say, no, no, no. You see, Basil Omri Milmata is a Chumrah because it's harder and also more of a partition to place the partition down on the water level, right? And therefore, that's a Chumrah. It would be a cooler to say that you can have the partition at the level of the lip. And the way it's presented here in Argomar, Bechama is being. Um, Bechame is the one that's being makel. That can't be, says the Tosfos. Bechal hasfarim garcina nipcha. Right? Everywhere else we, we say it the other way. Uh, right? And we say it the other way. Uh, I said einvav. I'm sorry. It's pevav. Ervin pevav. Anyway, the point is that um, that we flip it and we say it's Basil, the one that can, that can be above. Be that as it may, they think that there needs to, in fact, be a mechitza within this cistern. Whereas finally, Rabbi Yehuda says, "I'm Rabbi Yehuda, lot that you do not need a mechitza at all inside the cistern because once you have the fence between that partition between Andrew and Barry's yards, that fence extends downwards and and splits this, the waters, as it were." splits the water in the cistern. And so you don't need to have an extra internal cistern fence in order to split these waters and make them usable on Shabbos. Rather, right, um, no fence that's internal needs to be greater than the fence that's already existing that's kind of, um, that's kind of over the cistern because that fence presumably extends downwards. So now the Gemara is going to say, well, now we have our two guys. We have Rabbi Yossi and Sukkah who says that the walls of the Sukkah can extend downward. We have Rabbi Yehuda and Erevin that says that the walls on Shabbos for the purposes of Mechitza can extend downwards. Hainu Rabbi Yossi, Hainu Rabbi Yehuda. Aren't they saying the same things? That was what Rabbi Yochanan suggested as follows. Amar Rabbi Barachana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yehuda, Bishita, Rabbi Yossi, Amra. The Amar Mechitza Tluya Materes. That both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi are going to allow their respective halachos because of this concept of taking a mechitza and extending it downward. Beautiful. However, the Gemara says, not so beautiful. Not so fast. Velohi. They can each hold, Rabbi Huda, his shita in Mechitza Shabbos, Rabbi Yossi, his shita in Sukkah, they can each hold that the wall extends downward independently without having to agree with each other in their own respective domains of Sukkah and Shabbos as follows. Lower Behuda Savalakar Yosi, Rabihuda who holds the Mechitza Shabbos extend downward, does not have to agree with Yosi with respect to Sukkah. Why? Because Adkan Lokam Rabihuda also Melabi Erev Chatseris Darbanan. Ah, there it is. Just as we said, Erev Chatseris is a Din Darbanan. So Rabihuda only said that the walls extend down because, anyways, this is a Darbanan, and so we're going to be more lenient. 
But a sukkah is a asay daraisa, certainly. And for purposes of daraisa, we don't want, even though we certainly have enough halacha l'moshim yisinai, dofen akuma, by the way, you got to learn the dafan Shabbos Quranowitz because it's going to be hardcore locus classicus of dofen akuma. But be as it may, when you talk dofen akuma and all the other imaginary walls, I mean, we, after all, the fourth wall is not even necessary. The third wall could be partially imaginary. We've been talking all about ruba kakula, all these things. So we do have some dispensations, even though it's Daraisa, but this is a bridge too far to cross. To say that a wall can extend imaginarily, virtually downwards on a sukkah, even though the sukkah is Daraisa, that perhaps, right, Rabbi Yehuda would not be willing to say. And conversely, Rabbi who says that it's okay for sukkah, maybe he won't agree for Cheshavah's why. Because after all, a sukkah is a mitzvah saseh, we're going to try to help you out. You're trying to do a mitzvah as a... Right, as as uh, as uh, all the people in my childhood, growing up in Long Island, would say, it's a mitzvah. So if you're making the mitzvah, so after all, I think also in Laurelton, where Garanots grew up, they used to call it that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a sixteen mitzvah. If you're doing that, we're going to help you out a little bit, right? We're not going to be so picky. Yeah, use the wall that extends down for the essay, Rabbi Yossi, You go do that, but. Rabbi wouldn't say that you can employ this concept of the virtual wall going down for something so severe as a mechitzah on Shabbos, which is an iser lav, as the Gemara says, of al Shabbos to iser skila low. Now, wait a minute. Nobody's ever going to get stoned. Barry's never going to get stoned for taking water uh, from this cistern, God forbid, because obviously this is only a Darbanon anyway. But Rashi says, yeah, but the core of it, the source with the iser atzah, in its Deoraisa form, it carries an Isoskila, and therefore we're going to be more careful even in the Darabonin form. That's the Rashi over here. Alashabas Isoskila, Bimlachos Deoraisa Machmir, and Afilu Bimidi Darabonin de Isbe. A fascinating little, I don't know if you call it Lamdus, that says that when you have a Malacha that's Deoraisa, it's considered severe, and therefore even if in its Darabonin form, we're going to be more Machmir, right? So Rabbiosi, who's allowing it for walls, is not necessarily going to allow it for Shabbos. However, the Gemara is going to say, wait a minute. We know of a famous story that, of something that once happened in Sipori, and Yabiosi did, in fact, not only did he allow walls to virtually extend down for a sukkah, but he allowed in a very famous incident that happened on Shabbos for walls to extend down. How so? Well, very famously, Rabiosi used to be the Rush, the, the, Mayra um, de Asra of the city of Tzipori. The city of Tzipori is close to Tveria. It's in Israel. We were going to make Tzipori, Laviz, Bas Mitzvah there. It's a long story. But anyway, Tzipori is a beautiful city. So, it's a famous city in the time of the, right, of, of the Mishnah and the Gemara. The Mishnah. So, what was the Maisa in Tzipori? So, the, uh, in, in those days, Tzipori was a famous town. However, they used to do the following. Rashi points out, the history. Where would they keep the Sefer Torah? Not in the shul. I'm going to mix metaphors. I'm going to use an anachronism. You can't, you can't keep the Torah in the shul because the Cossacks are going to go take it. They're going to ransack the place. The, I, I said Cossacks. There were no Cossacks in Sipori, but you, you understand. The people are going to come. Uh, whoever, whatever power is going to be there, the, and, and the hoodlums are going to go take the Sefer Torah. Therefore, people used to keep it in a private home where there's people home in the house so that nobody takes it. But for Shabbos, they would bring it. So Erev Shabbos, on the way to Mincha, whoever had the Sefer Torah in safekeeping in their house would bring the Sefer Torah. One fine day, I was on a Shabbos. 
Shabbos, Nachamu, whatever, Dafyomi uh, coincidence, they, somebody didn't bring the Sefer Torah, okay? And so they had to bring the Sefer Torah. You can't not lane. So they had to bring, it's Shabbos Nachamu. So they had to bring the Sefer Torah, uh, they want to lane by Eschanan, they had to bring the Sefer Torah somehow. Wait a minute. Amazingly, this is what always fascinated us, right, when we learned Erevin. It's like, the, you have cities where, 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 you know, Rav or Yossi, where these Gedolim lived, and there was no Erev. Okay, so, maybe there was, this Rishonim discussed, was there not an Erev Shetufei Mavos, was there not an heir of Chatzeris? Be that as may, they couldn't, they didn't have that ahead of time, and therefore, they had a conundrum. How are you going to bring the Sefer Torah to Shul? So, here we go. So first of all, this was the issue, because Rabbi Yossi, again, we said, maybe he holds only by Sukkah of the virtual walls, but by Shabbos, he rejects the virtual walls. But we have a virtual wall story, of all things, with respect to Tzipori on Shabbos, and we know that Rabbi Yossi was a Zorosh Shiva. How are you going to get out of that pickle, Andrew? So it sounds like this. First of all, Lo Alpi Rabbi Yossi, Alpi Rabbi Shemal Rabbi Yossi. The story in Sipori could have been after the rabbi died. And so when he, after he passed, his son was the rabbi. He held differently. He held that the walls could extend even for Shabbos. My Maisa, you could not be more ready for this story now. Here, let's tell you the story. Chiasa Ravdimi Amar, Ravdimi told stories of Eretz Yisrael when he came to Bavel, and he told the following story. Pam Achaz, Shachu Shabbos, as discussed, right? Goldstein was supposed to bring the Sefer Torah, it was at his house, and he forgot it. So, Lamachar Pirsus Adinin Al Gabe Halamudin. Next day, this is, this could get really hectic, but they spread sheets on top of, like, Amudim, like a canopy, right? They made makeshift mechitzos where the sheets didn't extend all the way to the ground, but it was still good enough to use it as mechitzos to create a corridor through which they could walk through Sefer Torah. This is about 9,000 violations of Hilchah Shabbos, it feels like, right? Are you allowed to make mechitzos? So there's a machlokas rashi tosos throughout entire Shas, that rears its head here about whether you require a horizontal component in order to have this problem of mechitza. So, I, so you're going to have to say there was no horizontal component. And if you say that you don't need a horizontal component in order to create the mechitza, then you're going to have to say anyways, like the maskan of this Gemara, basically they didn't really make these makeshift mechitzos, but what they did was they noticed that there were these clotheslines that were perfectly lined up to create what would be Mechitzos, and as long as you hold that you can extend, right, the line of the clothing down to the ground, you were good to go. But if you didn't hold of that, then you would not be able to use these as mechitzos for a corridor to carry the Sefer Torah. That's what the Gemara is going to explain. Wait, oh, you're saying you do a shtick? Can't, it doesn't help because you, you can't cross, even if you do it, so you're not going to be over at Al-Amas or Shusarabim, but then how are you going to, how are you going to cross the threshold into the shul? So, right, at some point, oh, you're going to say, first mission in Shabbos, you can have one do Akira, one do Anacha. Not for now. Not for now. All right, so, Pirsu Salkadaitach, Mehecha Nivim B'Shabbos. You can't do that, Lechatchila. Don't start playing games. Uh, so, wait a minute. Pirsu Salkadaitach? Wait, you could spread the sheets on Shabbos? This is a fascinating question they're asking. Where'd you get the sheets? In other words, the same problem you have with the Sefer Torah, you should have with the sheets. You can't get, if you can't get this one thing, you can't get the other. So how is there not an is- a problem of a saw with the sheets? Says the Gemara. No, they already found the sheets already spread. 
right, over there, and they used it. So, as we said before, let's say the way to visualize it, you, they found sheets on a clothesline, and they said, oh, look at this. Baruch Hashem, Bashert, a perfect path, as long as we can hold. Rabbi, as long as you could say that the walls can extend downward virtually, we'll be able to go to Goldstein's house and get the Sefer Torah. So now we're 15 lines up from the bottom to Zion Bays, and we say it like this. Right, so that was the story. Uh, but we said it may not have been Rabbi Yossi, it could have been his son who, uh, uh, at that point, Rabbi Shemal, who made the suck. So now, Amar Chista Amar Avimi, Machzelas Arba Masha Materas Mesukah Mishum Dofen. Fascinating idea. Talking about verticality here. We said, a suk has to be ten tfachim, at least ten tfachim high. So, that means that the minimum um, shear of height that a wall could ever have, so let's assume a ten tfachim high sukkah, you can have what, in the name of Vimi, a four tfachim high wall, and it's good enough. How? In other words, four tfachim, three above, three below, do the math. Six plus four is ten, put it straight in the middle, and you have a ten tfachim wall using the lovet on top or the bottom. The Gemara thinks this is obvious. Pshita, of course, everybody knows lovet. What are you teaching me? Because the lovet? No. You may have thought that you could only use love it in one direction. Kamash Malan, no. You could use it both for top and bottom. Nine lines up. We have a brysa that seems to imply that you only, as Rashi explains, can use love it once. Because after all, the, we have a brysa that requires seven tfachim of height in the wall. Says the Gemara, No, that was talking about, right, again, don't forget, in order for four tfachim to work, the wall can't be more than ten tfachim high. That's a very uh, squat sukkah indeed. Once you have a tall sukkah, so then, of course, you're not going to be able to just get away with four tfachim because you're not going to have, you can have more than three tfachim on one end. So let's assume here you have, whatever, 10 amo high sukkah. So even though your, your wall is only seven tfachim and it's three tfachim from, from either top or the bottom, it's going to work. Umay kamash malan, where are you going to learn there? The mishashon defundus mil malalamata karabiosi. There's some girsa issues here. There's some, uh, rishonim who get involved here. The most pashut, Understanding of this would be that you have it three tfachim from the edge, the top edge of the sukkah. Once you have that, it can, in fact, corroborate Rabbi Yossi's shita that you can extend the walls down. Do we have, yes, we have a couple more minutes. We're five lines up from the bottom of Tazayim of Bez, And we have Rav Ami. Amar Rav Ami. Pas mishum dofen. All right, we're no longer going vertical. We're going horizontal now. How wide does this have to be? Well, we know that the smallest requisite side of a wall it has to be seven tfachim. Therefore, here we're going to go pa, uh, with arba tfachim, because then you use that with lavud, and bang, you got your horizontal for the wall. Umokim Right? Obviously, you have to set it up within three tfachim in order to employ lavud of the wall, and then you have seven tfachim of wall. And there again, as long as you're within three tfachim of the wall, you're going to employ lavud, and you're going to have a full seven, seven tfachim. To which again, the Gemara asks, my kamash malan, what is Ravami teaching us? You want to teach us lavud? We've learned lavud over and over again already. We know about lavud. Our answer is, kamash malan, shir meshach sukkah katana shiva. Now he's taking a stance that, uh, yeah, we're taking lavud into account here, and we're saying that with lavud, all you need is another four tfachim, which is another way of saying that the minimum width of a wall is seven tfachim, as, right, the Ritva and the, and, and the Rashi with the um, comment here is to point out, right, that 
it's following, it's making a statement in regards to Beit Shammai's opinion that a sukkah has to, right, accommodate Rosh Rubo, right, and, and Rov, and, and part, and, and Rosh Rubo, as well as Shulchano, in order to what? Be valid as a sukkah, and therefore making a statement about the Zion Fachim with regards to which shita we hold like, and thus we've arrived at the Mishnah on the top of your Zion Amad Aleph that's gonna get very involved with Dofan Akuma. Everybody have a great Shabbos.